following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Well, good morning, Crossroads family. I hope that you all had a good holiday season. Um, this year was Becky and I's first Christmas and New Year's together, uh, so that made it extra special on uh, being married. And uh, it was really nice. It worked out well uh, being able to spend Christmas Eve and Christmas morning with her side of the family and then Christmas afternoon and uh, evening with my side. Um, so I do have one announcement um, this morning. It has to do with classes uh, through Antioch. They're going to be starting next um, next week, January 11th. is going to be the first class. And uh, they're going to be meeting through Zoom. Um, and there's different days of the week that they're going to be happening, typically in the evening. So if anybody wants to um, just take any of those classes, contact either me or Heath. And again, we can get you textbooks um, and material. And we can get you contact with the people who are going to send out the link to take those classes. So before we get into the message, let's have a word of prayer together. Lord, we just want to thank you for this day. We pray that uh, you would lift up your church um, locally and uh, afar. Pray that your spirit would dwell in this place um, with those of the family who are here in this building and uh, the rest of our family um, as they're at home. I pray that your word would be an encouragement um, and that you would just use me as a mouthpiece speaking your word, Lord. Let your word dwell in our hearts. Let it be an encouragement. Um, and I pray that it would uh, just shape who we, are, who we are. Amen. So I want to begin by saying that there are several different forms of preaching. How Heath typically preaches and how I've preached here in the past is called expository preaching. Albert Moeller has an excellent definition of this form of preaching. He says, Expository preaching is that mode of Christian preaching that takes as its central purpose the presentation and application of the text of the Bible. All other issues and concerns are subordinated to the central task of presenting the biblical text. So this form of preaching is typically done uh, when you go through a book of the Bible from beginning to end, and you examine a different passage of the Bible each week, week by week. It's how we went through Paul's letters in the past, and it's how uh, Heath is now. Each Sunday, we pick up where we left off in Scripture. And on a typical Sunday, I believe this is the best form of preaching because it takes a congregation through an entire book of the Bible in order. And the result is more understanding each week as the congregation's understanding of the book increases. Another form of preaching is called topical preaching, and this form of preaching focuses on a certain topic for one or two weeks, um, and then you move on to the next topic. During certain times of the year, this is a great way to highlight important events that happen in Scripture. We just celebrated Christmas about a week ago, and churches all over the world took a little bit of a break from what they were studying uh, at that time, and they used that time to talk about the incarnation of Jesus, and around Easter time, Churches will do the same to talk about Jesus' death and resurrection. So now, having just celebrated a day when things are seen as new, and there's a sense of new possibilities for the coming year, I thought I would take this time to talk topically about the biblical idea of newness through renewal 
and the process of sanctification. We see in scripture that there are many instances where the concept of newness is presented. Newness in general is the idea that something is new. It's not a surprising definition. (laughs) However, in the context of scripture, newness is the idea that God has made, is making, or will make something new out of something that already exists. Throughout the New Testament, we can read expressions such as new creation, new birth, new life, new covenant, and new commandment. The New Testament is full of things that are to be made new. The process of sanctification comes about as a result of this newness. And without going into too much detail at this time, I'll say this. Sanctification is the act or process of being made or becoming holy. So now let's circle back to taking a look at the idea of newness through renewal. As I said before, there are many instances where scripture presents us with the idea of things being made new. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 19, Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Here we see that those who are in Christ are a new creation. We have been made into a new creation that has a new standing before God and a new desire to love and to serve him. This is the result of the renewing work of God in us. And make no mistake, this could have only been accomplished by God. As verse 18 states, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The ability to renew and reconcile is under God's control only. He is the one who makes us into new creations. And uh, I was just thinking this morning, there's um, a song by a band called Gangor called Beautiful Things. And uh, there's a line that says, you make beautiful things out of us. And as I was thinking, the Lord does make beautiful things out of us. He takes um, our old nature and makes us new, makes us beautiful into a new creation, but I was also thinking that that act alone, that act of God, is beautiful in and of itself. And I think that when we realize that, it should turn us to the Lord and um, just give him praise. Um, We should immediately turn to him and praise him with how beautiful and glorious and mighty he is. So Paul writes of renewal in Colossians 3, verses 9 to 10. He writes, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. In verse 9 to 10, Paul tells us that the old self, the previous nature that once found us, has been put off and has now been replaced with the new self. Now, what comes with this? What comes with receiving a new self that is being renewed in the image of the one who made us? Well, I can tell you. Look at verse 9. It says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. The answer is in that last part. 
seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. And I'll give you an example also. Uh, Before the Holy Spirit began to dwell within me, I was perfectly happy walking around as my old self. I wasn't a bad person by worldly standards, but I was sinful. I told my fair share of lies, I'd curse, and I had a very short temper. Yet at this point, that was just who I was, and at that time, I was happy as my old self. But thanks be to God, in 2010, when my life was at a fork in the road, he showed me one of the paths for what it was and where it might have led me. Because of the work that the Lord did in my life and in my heart at that time, not only did I not choose a path that had previously looked so inviting to me, but all the practices of my old self that I just mentioned were put off. The new self casts off those old practices we were once enslaved by and happy to serve. The new self also brings forth new practices and desires. Just a few of those desires are the desire to serve others, to read God's word in order to know him, and to glorify and enjoy him forever. So continuing on with this theme of New Year's, something that's popular around this time of year is setting a New Year's resolution. And a New Year's resolution is defined as a tradition in which a person resolves to continue good practices, change an undesired trait or behavior, accomplish a personal goal, or otherwise improve their life at that start of a new year. And we're all familiar with the popular resolutions, and I'm sure that we could all come up with a list of the top ten. But following through with some of these is really, really hard. And I'm always impressed with the people who are able to do it. For me, I don't set a typical resolution that requires me to stick with it each day. The commitment to consistency is hard. If I'm being honest, I don't want to have to wake up at 5 a.m. every morning to go for a run, even if that's the only time I can. And uh, another one is that once in a while is okay. And I also don't want to commit to... uh, something like eating a salad for lunch every single day, because I can tell you right now that that resolution won't even make it to this afternoon. <laughs> instead, <laughs> instead of um, resolutions for the past few years, I've been setting one or two big goals to try to accomplish each year. Goals that I know will stretch me and take commitment. But some things are hard to give commitment to every day. It takes a lot of discipline. With that last thought in mind, I want to start talking about the process of sanctification. As I said before, the process of sanctification comes about after we've been renewed. Hagiasmos is the Greek word for sanctification, and it's the progressive work of God in man that makes us more like Christ. We often use it when we talk about the Christian walk through life. It's continuous throughout the uh, Christian life, and it's something that increases over time. Paul is the one who primarily uses this term, followed by Peter. Paul uses it in his letter to Rome, Corinth, and Thessalonica. And so we're going to take a look at his use of it in Romans. Romans chapter 6, verses 16 to 23, gives us a good sense of what this uh, process of sanctification looks like in us. He writes, Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, You are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who are once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, 
have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. So let's uh, give verse 20 a closer look. It says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Meaning that while we were slaves to sin, we were not righteous, nor were we capable of righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? The answer to Paul's question is found in his letter just a few verses back. The fruit we get when we are not in righteousness is impurity and lawlessness, and the two can only lead to more lawlessness. However, since we have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit we get for presenting our members as slaves to righteousness leads to sanctification and, in the end, eternal life. Our process of sanctification begins once we have been renewed by the work of Christ according to the plan of the Father. Once our old self has been put off and we receive the new self, we gradually walk in our, uh, we gradually walk in our old ways less and less and thus become more like Christ more and more. This is the process of sanctification in a nutshell. As our new nature causes us to seek the things of God, we become a little bit more holy over time, and we continue to do so just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more throughout our life. Staying on the trajectory is not always easy. It takes time, commitment, discipline, and perseverance. It takes time to get to know the Lord through his word. Thus, we should dedicate a block of our day to reading scripture. It takes a commitment to routinely be in touch with the Father, especially when there are so many other things in our schedule pulling us in different directions. If you ever find yourself driving alone in a car, remember that you can talk to the Lord even then. With your eyes open, of course. But you don't always have to be in a quiet place, head down and eyes closed, to talk with the Lord. Lastly, staying on the trajectory of sanctification takes discipline. When hints of the old self are trying to make their way in, it takes discipline to combat them away. The battle to stay on this trajectory of sanctification is fought daily, hourly, and even minute to minute. It is far more difficult to stay on this trajectory than to keep to our New Year's resolution. But unlike with keeping resolutions, we have help when it comes to continuing in our process of sanctification. The Father is the one who ordains and secures our holiness. The Son is our uh, intercessor. And the Holy Spirit is our helper. A friend of mine once told me that a good way of looking at the process of sanctification is like a line graph. If you have a graph with an X plane and then a Y plane, and you take the picture of um, the line going up, kind of like this, um, the line will go up higher and higher each time, and it will dip down a little bit, but the goal is for it to never go lower than it originally started. 
And so that's true of our process of sanctification as well. We're going to have times in our life where um, we're battling uh, difficulties and trials, but we're never going to go below where we once started. The goal is to always trajectory, uh, forward trajectory. And when those trials come, uh, we must remember that Jesus' work was complete. And if we are of God's people, then the old self has truly been put off from us and can no longer have a complete hold of us like it once had. So at this time, I'd like to close by saying that if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, I pray that he would reveal himself to you uh, and that the Holy Spirit would dwell within you. And you can begin by asking the Lord for yourself for him to reveal himself to you. Ask for forgiveness, repent, and believe. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to thank you for who you are, your character and your traits. We're thankful that it was in your plan for you to send your son so that we may, we may be renewed. We're just thankful for that work. And uh, please remind us that when trials do come, that we have you and your son and your spirit to lean on, that each uh, person of the Godhead has a role in our process of sanctification, in our, in our Christian walk. Um, and teach us to lean on you. I pray that if anybody doesn't know um, Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they would um, begin to call upon you. I pray that your spirit would work in their hearts. I pray that your um, presence would be with us as we continue to praise you and um, just go about the rest of our day. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.